Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So on today's interview, we have Nicole Ruth from uh, Colorado. She is the number one loan originator in her state and like the fastest growing loan originator in the country <laughs> and has 23 doors and just badass, right, Jessa? <laughs> She's totally badass. She's an athlete. She wakes yeah. up at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> She's great. Um, I, I, I really enjoy, I enjoy all of our interviews, but I really enjoyed this one for a lot of reasons. But what I think what you ladies will appreciate most about this interview is her thinking behind really economic trends, especially what's going on in the market right now. Because uh, although some of us may or may not use traditional mortgage brokers for our investment properties, we may or may, may not, our buyers are, our mm -hmm. tenants are, you know, the, so to speak. So our, our customers are, and we do need to know what's going on in the economic um, world. So she gave some really great tips how she's thinking about it and how it's affecting her uh, investors. Yeah, and she also brings a different approach when, for example, when we look at our team members, who we do business with, we always think about, oh, our CPA, he or she, it's important that they uh, invest in real estate so they can, you know, apply the tax strategy properly. But she also says your mortgage lender should also be an investor because when Nicole talks to her clients, she can see or approach things in a different way. She always talks about um, the 30 versus the 15 year uh, fixed rate mortgage. And I'm not gonna give you away you need to listen or see us on YouTube as well about what she's talking about. And I thought that that was great. That's like a big, big golden nugget. Yeah. Uh, so enjoy the show because it's full, full of great knowledge and tips for you. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that time is running out and you just have three weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024 the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your ticket, go to investhercon.com today and use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investhercon.com, promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. 
Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. We are off and running in a new year and great to be back here, right, Andressa? Connecting and, you know, talking to women across the world around investing in real estate and doing it in a balanced way. Absolutely. Enjoying this cold, freezing weather. <laughs> Nicole, yeah. we have Nicole from Denver, Colorado on our uh, show today. So, so Nicole, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for being Thank here you. with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to getting into Nicole's um, story and just all her wonderful experience. And we'll, we'll jump into that here in a moment. Uh, we always like to get connected to all of you amazing women listening. And we have women listening all across the world, which is just amazing. And we're really super appreciative of it. We always like to get connected, kind of something that's coming up for us personally or professionally mm -hmm. that is a quick tip that you can apply quickly in your life. Uh, and that's really yes. the purpose of our kind of quick tip at the beginning. So Andressa, what is coming up for you? Well, first, I want to also do a shout out to the guys that are listening, because I always get emails saying, hey, by the way, I also listen to your show, but you never acknowledge us. Oh, that's so, unfortunate. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> we love you too. Okay. Thanks for, for listening and for all the support. So what I want to talk this week about is that I made one of my resolutions is to really get physically fit. I'm not overweight. There's nothing wrong with it. I just want to focus more on uh, that part. So I joined a CrossFit and I've been sharing with our Facebook community um, that my ass is getting kicked pretty much. <laughs> so this week I went there and I didn't want to go. My brain didn't want to go. My foot took us there. So I was completely like out of my comfort zone. I saw those people pulling themselves up and down and doing things that I was like, I can barely lift this like weight, 10 pound weight. <laughs> and you guys are doing what? <laughs> so in my head, I quit a hundred times, but I kept going there. And at the end, I felt great. So the reason why I'm telling you guys this is that in real estate, sometimes it's the same thing. We just feel overwhelmed that we compare ourselves with others that are in different phases. And I had a conversation with this lady who was pulling, I don't know how many pounds she was pulling. And she's like, yeah, four years to get to this point. So sometimes we have wrong expectations at the beginning of our real estate investments. And instead of comparing with, other people, the best thing is that I am taking one step forward towards my goal. And if it is going, showing up at the gym once a week, twice a week, whatever that fits my goal, that's what you're doing. That's your journey. So I always want to, you know, encourage the ladies to set up, like, instead of saying, oh, this year I want to buy, not my first, but I want to buy 10 properties. So instead of that, surround yourself, show up to um, get the support that you need around because without the coach that I had there, I'll, I'll be out, completely out. But she was there to adjust my exercises and setting up expectations for me, what mm -hmm. I could handle at that time. So that was very important. So same thing for real estate. Surround yourself with people that can guide you, support you, and just take one step forward. That's all you love need. it. 
I love it. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, you showed a picture on the, we're doing this 90 day challenge. You took a picture of you sitting, sitting there and we just saw your sneakers, which was cool. Um, no, I love that. And it is, it is about just taking those, those small baby steps. So I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Thank I see you. a marathon in your future. Yes. You <laughs> so without further ado, uh, Nicole, we're so happy to have you on. I know we've been talking for a while and I've been really excited uh, about this interview with you and just love your background and, and experience and love what you said too about your, you know, kind of path. So we always like to ask the ladies that we interview, what propelled you to get involved in real estate investing? I know your background's mortgage, uh, mortgages and what have you, but you also are a very active investor as well. So what propelled you to get involved in this, this game? So it all kind of started from a very personal journey. It became a business journey and it became something where I started to teach other people about as well, which has really snowballed and multiplied not only my experience, but the opportunities that I've had to share it with others. Um, but my personal journey started probably about eight, nine years ago when I bumped into a guy. It was so funny. I was going to an investment it was one of those breakfast clubs, meetups before meetup was around. <laughs> so it was an investment breakfast club. And he and I started connecting and he was an older gentleman, probably in his you know, last couple of years in the business. And he just kind of leaned into me. And I really found like a lot of engagement in the conversation he was having about real estate and how it can set you up for success and multi, uh, owning multiple properties, how it gave him the income as he was getting older. And it started to dawn on me that I had been in mortgage lending at that point for like 10, 12 years. <laughs> I never thought to actually invest in the very thing that I spent my entire day doing. So he talked about it and he eventually, I went there to get business, right? The only reason I went there was to build networks for my lending business, never expecting to take a personal journey. So he twisted my whole life and he <laughs> turned it into something different. So he brought me along. I ended up buying a fourplex from him about five, six months later um, through talking about what it would look like to having coffees. He really just kind of leaned in when I wanted to lean out. I, I wanted to be, this is not for me. I don't know anything about real estate. I don't know how to run it. I don't know how to manage it. I don't know how to be a landlord. And he just kept walking beside me, which was really cool because he didn't have to. And if he didn't, I wouldn't be here. He mm. changed the entire trajectory of my career, of my financial success, and now my kids, which is part of my story. So at that point, I bought my first fourplex and um, coincidentally, a first single family investment the same summer. And then I didn't buy another investment for three years. And so I kind of worked the kinks out. I worked my way through what it would look like to manage it, to, to put in tenants, to deal with issues and hiccups and servicing and that kind of thing. It took me a little while. Plus, you know, I had my day job. I was a lender. And so I had to think about what does this journey look like to me? And it wasn't until three years later when I went to go buy my next one, somebody was asking me, you know, do you, do you manage your own properties? What does that look like? And they started inquiring. I'm still, remind you, I've been to, in the business 10 years. I'm in it another three years, never thinking to actually talk about it. And then all of a sudden people are kind of asking as I'm buying this third one and I'm going, people want to know about this. Like this is something that's, it's this like black box, the same black box that I had to go through because somebody walked along this journey with me for months before I bought one. I, it was my turn. It was my turn to be the Sherpa in that journey. 
And that's, you know, kind of how it started. There was a lot of hiccups. There was a lot of stress. I did not want to buy that first one. It was really scary. Uh, and it was a mess. And one of the units was destroyed. And it was, um, from here to there, looking back, obviously, some of the things that create the biggest change in your life are the biggest caverns you got to cross. And, and that was definitely one of mine. Wow. So, so you, you bought that fourplex, you bought the single family three years later, you bought, what did you buy three years later? Another fourplex. Another fourplex. Okay. Yep. And now you've grown it to 23 doors. 23 doors. Yep. And then you're also still doing your lending business. Mortgage yes. Market, and you have a team and all those sort of things. So the Ruth team, uh, Nicole Ruth. So the Ruth team, we're, I'm now the number one originator in the state of Colorado, uh, in the top five women in the United States. So definitely people are drawn to, I have found that my niche is talking about this. How do you build wealth through real estate? I don't want to say I accidentally fell into it, but I kind of accidentally fell into it. But what I realized was, is that people need to hear this. And it's not so much that I need to build my business. I need to serve. And, and I'm called to just be that Sherpa that somebody was so diligent and loving he had no end game, really, obviously, than his one commission. But his one commission, I don't know if it was worth six months to get. <laughs> but, you know, for me now to be here, it's the passion. It's the passion. It's the love. It's the fact that I'll work 20 hours to make sure that I call everybody back. It's, uh, it's that drive that has uh, propelled the success. So, yeah, still a mortgage lender, uh, successful mortgage lender in the Denver area. I'm licensed in about eight states. Okay. Okay. There's a lot to dissect here, you know, so we want to like go through a lot of different things because there's so many questions I'm sure Andressa has, as well as myself, which we'll, we'll fight, we'll fight to the bitter end to, to get the next question, right, Andressa? True. Um, so, you know, the first thing though, before we get into your path on, on, which I clearly can see you have passion around both those things, but love to hear a little more, definitely more on the investment side. The mortgage side, you know, you know, we are, you, we have a lot of women who are listening, who are flipping homes, who are dealing with, with home buyers still. It's, you know, the market is still very interesting. We haven't in some ways seen a slowdown as, as though a lot of people have predicted we would have already seen. I'm curious to get your insight. I'm not a mortgage broker. I'm not a lender. Um, you know, what are you seeing in the market? What can the women listening who are investors just keep in mind as they deal with, um, you know, the, the first time home buyers that, you know, because we're all in that, some of them are, are dealing with those, those customers. So curious from your perspective, especially on the lending and the, you know, mortgage side. So that's another one of my, my side gigs is I am a economics market trends geek. Um, okay. Love I'm it. Love a numbers it. geek, right? So I've been studying a lot about the market as I'm doing a lot of presentations on that this time of year, it's January, um, but it continues every month. It, there's a slight change. And so how do we continue to lean into our clients, to our investors, to our peers? Um, so what I'm seeing is, is that across the country, really real estate is hyper-local. There's, you can't talk about economics from a grand scheme and be as meaningful and as relevant as what that person is feeling in that house, in that neighborhood. But what you can tell them is, is that the economics surrounding them is impacting the consumer psyche. It's impacting the ability to uh, get financing. It's impacting the, mar the major market trends, which start to ripple down into a personal experience. So what we're seeing is, is inventory is low everywhere. We started to see an increase in inventory, a very, very welcome increase in inventory. As you know, we went into inventory crisis from about 2014 to 17, especially in the Denver market. 
The last 13 months, we've had positive increase in inventory. This last two months, we've had decreases in inventory. So that is straining the uh, supply and demand. What also is impacting us is the demand is hot. The, even though underlying the economy, manufacturing is going into a recession, consumers are still spending up here, even though down here, we're saying, whoa, you know, we're heading towards this recession. The consumers are saying, I'm not ready yet. I'm gonna pull this out and drag out this expansion that we're in. Because as we all know, consumer spending is 70% of the GDP, which defines a recession. So we're dragging this out and we're pushing the recession out and we're continuing this expansion, which means people are still buying. So demand is still up, interest rates are below 4%. We're still locking interest rates at four and a quarter on an investment, mm-hmm. 3.375 on a primary. I mean, it's crazy. So the increase in wages, and here in Colorado, we saw 3% increase in wages. An increase in wages, the slowdown of appreciation that we saw while we did see increase in inventory, and the low interest rates is creating an environment where people can get in and they can get in and they can cash flow, especially from an investor's perspective. The first time home buyers can get in, the investors can get in. It's a really welcoming market if they can find the inventory. That's the problem mm. right now is the inventory is creating. We only have one month of um, inventory here in the Denver market. So that's going to change by market. Wow. So are you saying that this is a great opportunity to come to Denver and start investing there? I'm I'm saying it is if you can actually find the inventory. We're still, I actually had a conversation where somebody was saying, well, you can't even buy in in Denver anymore because there's no inventory or there's, or it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. I'm helping people finance every single month investments, the cash flow. They're out there. You have to look a little harder, but in any market, some markets have an abundance, some markets are a little bit tighter. But if you know what you're looking for and you educate yourself on what makes a good investment, whether it's that combination of the appreciation and the cash flow, you can find that in any market. I agree with you. And the reason why I ask is because in Philadelphia, we have a hard quote unquote hard time finding great deals and i'm saying more no's than yeses uh for quite a couple of time in in and i think that when we find one it's it is a good one and and they are out there it's just and we need to dig a little bit deeper uh have a better relationship build a different report with seller but it is out there so for for the people that are looking, for the investors, we, I get this question all the time. So majority of our listeners are, are women who are either starting or looking to vamp or scale their, their, their business. The question that they come across is, I don't know how to qualify my lender. I have different options here. They are offering different products and I am more confused than like inspired to move forward. I don't want to miss an opportunity, but I don't want to also get something that it doesn't make financial sense to where I'm looking for. So if you can, how can an investor qualify or vet a lender from that standpoint? That's an excellent question. So many times we'll 
be having a conversation with a buyer, whether it's an investor or a homeowner, and they're saying, well, I'm seeing rates of this, you know, and they're looking at the internet lenders or they walked into their bank and the bank had a sign out. And I go, I get it. I get it. My rates are competitive. They're not going to be as low as that internet lender. But I ask them, who is going to get you to the finish line? Who's going to be the advocate to fight for you? And who is going to educate you as you're trying to, as you said, assess, is this a good deal? Does it provide cash flow? I've told investors no. And then I've told other investors as I'm dancing, if you don't buy it, I will. So it comes across the whole gamut. But to have somebody that is um, familiar I would say, in my opinion, my humble opinion, that if you want to work with a lender and you're an investor, you better work with a lender that owns investments and owns investments from a model that you follow. I was talking to a friend that was following a lender that had a totally different model and it required her to purchase 12 properties to get to her end goal. And I was like, you need three and here's why. And I walked through a different model with her and she's like, oh my gosh, that resonates with me. And I said, okay, so just because he owns properties doesn't mean it's the, the model that fits with you. And there's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. His model's not wrong and mine's right. It's just they're different. And if they provide that gut check and that person knows, okay, I can do this. I, this resonates with me. I can get to my end goal. I'm going to follow this model. Then align yourself with those lenders. Quickens are, and, and well, any internet lender, I'm not going to say negative on anyone, but any internet lender, typically they're a call center. So they just don't have to dive that deep because they're just taking orders and putting it back into underwriting. You really want, you know, and you say that with realtors, with property managers, with any of those people that you're surrounding yourself by, that A team, they better know my realtor owns investment properties. My property manager owns investment properties. I'm talking to people that have experienced the gains and the losses in the investing world. I think you're you're bringing such a good point. Liz and I already spoke about this before when we talk about uh, CPAs, your attorneys, but I don't think we talked about lenders who also own real estate because it's a different language and, and it's a different mentality. And I do believe that what you're saying, it's totally true that it doesn't really matter if you have 105 single families and 70% of them don't cash flow. So it doesn't really matter. The number, the quantity doesn't really matter. Um, but what you're saying is that find people and surround yourself with those folks. For a more like specific standpoint, if I am looking to get qualified, what are the items that I need to look at besides the interest rate? What are the items, the factors that will affect the type of mortgage that I'm getting? So that's a great question. There are all kinds of new loan products that are coming on board with this whole um, non-QM phase, right? So anybody that has not heard of that before, QM stands for qualified mortgage. That's your typical Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac mortgage. A non-QM is different than say a portfolio mortgage. So that's where you're gonna walk into your local credit union or bank. That's portfolio and then QM. Non-QM is going to be you're buying an investment based on the cash flow of that investment, or you're using assets as income or to qualify you, or you're using bank deposits to qualify you as income instead of tax returns. So all of those are starting to weave their way back into the market. 
Having said that, we're very, very far from the loose lending standards that we saw in 2006. These are qualified mortgages, but you have to have 20 or 30% down. You still have to have good credit scores. You still have to have six, 12, 24 months of reserves. So they're allowing it, but they're protecting it. So as an investor, you should be asking the question of your lender, what alternative financing is available to me? Because as you're building up more properties, the traditional Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac lending might not work. So you might be able to buy as many as you can that way, but then you might have to turn and do say a, a program that's based on the income that that rental property is going to spin off. And there are programs that do that, that don't look at your personal income at all. They only look at the income. And in fact, we have programs where the income from the property can be a loss and you can still purchase it. You have to put more money down, but those products exist. So knowing what your options are, having said all of that, your best product, even as an investor, is 20 to 25% down, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, 30 year fixed. And I'll say that all day long. I work with all of them. I put all of my investments on 30 year fix mm. and I pay them like 15s. And now, so I just turned 50 this year and now I'm paying them in, on 10s because I want everything done by 60 years old. So I won't buy something that doesn't cash flow by, and be done being paid off by the time I'm 60. That's my model. So as I'm looking at that, I'm putting them all on 30 year fix so that I'm protected against any economy changes. The interest rates are really low, maybe not as low as a 15 or an arm, but I don't have any risk. Mm. I can count on that cash flow every single month. I'm not going to be forced to sell it when I'm not ready. And then I make sure that I have enough cash flow to pay it on a 15 year. So that's the program I love, but you can absolutely look at the arms if, it, if you're going to be in and out of it to get a slightly better rate. You can look at a 15 but as a lender, I have to think of your debt to income ratio. And on a 15 year fix, that payment's higher. And that payment is showing up on your credit report, which might not qualify you for the next property you're Got trying to it. buy. So, so a 30 year fix keeps the payment lower. Right. So, so I can understand, digest a little bit more. So you do, so you do get a, a 30 year fix, but your plan is to pay in 15 or 10. That's right. I set them on automatic payments. So I don't even think about it. I set it up with the banks so that they're automatically being paid. That way I know I'm reaching my cash goals uh, for, or I should say my goals for my cash flow. And when you do your underwriting, Nicole, on that, on that perspective, do you, so you underwrite it on a 15 year loan then, correct? Is your, your underwriting must, must include what, 10 or 15 years. Okay. It wouldn't include 30 because you're, you want to cash flow it, right? 10 or 15 years, right? So when you say underwriting, I'm not sure if it's the same word. So as a sorry, loan like, underwriter, or are you looking at the deal underwriting? Sorry, the deal underwriting. When you're right. actually analyzing the deal and saying, okay, uh, I'm going to bring home X dollars in cash flow if all my expenses, you know, stay the same, capital mm -hmm. expenditures, what have you. So you're underwriting it on that, uh, analyzing it per se, um, with that idea that you're going to be paying it off in what, 15 years? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Very cool. That's very yep. cool. We awesome. actually had that question another day on our yeah. Facebook community because it was like pros and cons <clears throat> about uh, 30 versus 15. And you get people different ways, but this strategy that you were saying was not mentioned because we didn't want to get 
uh, lose the opportunity to get the 30 year fixed rate, but at the same time, you want to get the benefits of both. So I think that's, that's a, a, a great strategy to kind of like get the bo uh, best of both worlds. Yeah. And, and, to be, and to be able to do it, your investment properties are in Denver? My investment properties are all in Denver. So you're so doing that in a very, very hot, you know, crowded market. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. You're not doing it in an area that no one's going to, right? Like a war zone. So the, the properties that cash flow the best on the 15-year here and every market, again, as you discussed, is a little bit different, is going to be your multi-units, your two, three, and four units, as well as your, your single families that have the ADUs or the mother-in-law suites. And we're seeing a lot of those here. We're also seeing an increase in demand for them. Mm -hmm. But what happened is, is every area is so local to the changes. We had this huge Airbnb because everybody wants to come to Denver. Everybody wants a vacation in Denver. So everybody was turning their properties into Airbnbs. Investors came in. They were buying a bunch of properties in Airbnb, all of them. Denver cracked down and said, no more Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. And so now you have a lot of these houses that were outfitted with full mother-in-law suites downstairs with outside access to Airbnb two units instead of one. So you have this kind of weird set of inventory that is a single family, but it has a second rental opportunity yeah. that a lot of people are getting into. And that's where you can see the cash flow to make it work on a 15 year. Interesting. That's really interesting. And I think we bring up a, or such an important point that the women listening you know, knowing your market inside and out and being able to, I mean, and I, and I love what you, you just said too, about how they cracked down on Airbnb and now you're taking that as, a, as an opportunity. You're not, you're not complaining right now. You're saying, okay, we're going <laughs> to figure this out and how can we make it work? Not 30 year, but 15 year, because that fits your goals and your lifestyle and your family goals and your, you know, kind of your vision for your life. I'm stealing um, that idea. <laughs> It's going on my, my, my vision board. It is. I'm just going to do that. Just steal it. Just steal yeah. it. Go for it. It's yours. So curious, when you started your investment kind of path, and thank you for, for the insight um, around the mortgage, uh, kind of just where we are. And, you know, I think it is very local. You have to very, you know, really be mindful of that. But to kind of also see what's happening in other regions like yours, especially like a hot market is really great insight you shared. But as we transition to just getting some insight into your investment portfolio and how you've been able to build it, working full time, you know, obviously you're using those skills to analyze deals. That's clear that you know what you're doing in that department. <laughs> and how have you been able to, um, how did you embark on figuring out what model works for you? Because I think that's so important for women to understand. Did you do it right at the beginning? Or did, did it kind of just was a very natural progression, uh, you know, by the third or fourth property? How did you, how did that happen? How did that unfold for you? And what were some of the questions that you asked yourself so the women can ask themselves those same questions so they can make sure their model or what they're working on is going to give them what they want for their life? That's a fantastic question. Uh, and you could spend hours just talking about that. Yeah, I know. That's probably a loaded question right there. And <laughs> answer in two minutes. <laughs> Done. I'm on it. Um, so I would say that obviously there's a model, as many people as there are out there investing, there's that many models, right? So there's really a, a huge um, opportunity to learn from so many different people and how they're doing it. There are certain things. So what I did is I actually kind of took okay, what are the, the, maybe the 10 ideas that I personally knew about? 
And of course, there's a hundred others that I didn't even know about. And the more I get into it, the more I learn. Um, so I actually created in one of my presentations, a slide of all the things that you can invest in in real estate. And I'm running out of room. Like I'm making it two or three <laughs> slides. Like people are telling me, well, I rent out my garage to other people and I rent out this space and I do it. I won't even get into all that. But so I wrote down the 10 that I knew about. And I started crossing off the ones that I'm just clearly either one, I have no desire to, it would be drudgery or two, I didn't know anything about. And the learning curve might be too high for me at that point. Because here I am, I'm over 40. So I'm 42 at the time when I started. And, you know, I have three kids and I have a career and the business is starting to take off. So I have a day job. So I can't really get out there and fix and flip. I can't do the burr model. I can't do the high intensity Airbnbs because there's too much uh, intensity and it, they're too expensive to have somebody else manage. So I started knocking off things, even some things that you can make really good money in, like that short-term rental opportunity. I dismissed it even though theoretically it's a moneymaker. So I went after the long-term buy and hold. So then if I'm thinking, okay, I'm going after the long-term buy and hold, this is the market that works for me. I was already kind of a market expert. I knew the Denver market. It felt comfortable to me. So I stayed there because I'm doing so much to push my, my comfort zone and my limits in every other area of my life. I didn't need that to be one of them too. And so you kind of have to judge where are you pushing your limits? Cause you only grow when you push your limits, you only become number one in anything, or even just personally satisfied in anything if you're willing to fail. And so I had enough going on in my life where I was failing. I didn't want that to be a huge part of that or component. So long-term hold, something that feels a little safer, something, and I also being kind of more of an economics aware, I wanted something that was recession-proof. We're in the longest running expansion. It's going to change. There's a cycle, economy cycle, done. You just can't not cycle. So if you're going to have a cycle, my personal feel good was to buy something that people could rent with two adults making minimum wage. So I knew Walmart's going to be hiring any time of, of economic conditions, right? So if Walmart's hiring, I've got people that could be tenants. And it's not to segregate. It's simply to say, I don't want to buy the properties that are going to cost $4,000 a month to rent from me. Mm -hmm. I want to buy the properties that are going to cost $1,300 to rent from me. And then I also have this uh, tight time frame. So at 42, I had 18 years and then it slid up as far as what's the amateurization on those uh, loans. So I had to create cash flow models where I could be done by 60. So that started to lean me into the multiplexes, the, the two, three, and four units, primarily four units. So I started looking for four units that I could rent for $1,300 a unit and I like them side by side because Coloradoans love their dogs. And so you have to know what your people want and our people want yards. So mm -hmm. to have side by side units instead of top down gave my tenants a little bit of yard. So I've got yards, they're side by side. I like brick. And then I also like my area. So I started investing in different areas around Denver. I've kind of pulled out of some areas and put into one specific triangle in North Denver. It feels good. I see the long-term growth. I know the net population gain in those areas. I know the businesses that are moving into those areas. So they feel like no matter what happens, as long as I maintain a good place to live, 
I don't believe in slum lording, right? As long as I maintain a good place to live, I'll continue to have tenants. So the rules started to create themselves. Or they started to lay out kind of like tracks. Yeah. I didn't have, this is my, my set of rules from day one. Of course, I, I had a huge head start with the first fourplex I bought and the conversations that I had leaning up to that, but they, they created as we went. I, I love what you're saying because if I make a cake, it will look very different if Liz makes a cake, right? Totally different. My cake but, will be not edible. <laughs> well, so yours is going to look very similar to mine. <laughs> that <she> would be. <laughs> yeah. So, but the reason what I'm saying that is because, and I want to highlight what you said, that you did cross out strategies that even though they make money and they're popular or whatever, it does not fit your criteria and what you're looking for. So I, we always say to all the ladies that come to our Facebook community or, or email us, is this a deal? It might, it might not. Is this a good option? Is this a great exit strategy? It depends. So what you're pointing is like, what is your comfort zone? Your age, where you're, do you have kids? You don't. What is your, your personal goals? Where you want to be 15, 20 years, 30 years down the road? And I think that that is so important because what we are talking here in this show and in everything is how can we have a financially free and balanced life? Our goal is really not to put our, ourselves out there and like kill it in terms of real estate, but have a very unfulfilling life. And I think that that's what you're really putting out there and not out of, because we also have that thing, oh, I need to have this all plan out off yep. the gate. And that doesn't happen, right? That majority of the time, I don't know of anybody that had a, a plan figuring it out. But as you were saying, you were consciously making those decisions to fit your lifestyle and not the other way around. And I think that a lot of people make the mistake of investing in real estate in order to have the lifestyle that they want instead of planning all the way around, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and Nicole, you're a perfect example of there's no excuses, right? So you can't say I'm too old, I'm too young. You, 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 had, three, you, had, three, you had three kids at 42, because I wrote this down. You started 42, you had a full-time job, full-time uh, practice as well, right? It's not just like a job, nine to five. This is like, you know, you're, you were on all the time, I'm sure. So, and three kids and a husband who, who, who helped us ahead of this, his interview, who's a doll. So clearly, you know, that had some, cult, you have to keep cultivating that relationship. And you started building your portfolio to 23 doors. So there are no excuses. None of us have any excuses. It's just what, what do we want to grow that fits where we want to go, right? I think that's the key. Um, so for you on that vein of, of balance and, you know, being the best mom you can and being the, the helm of the home and doing all that you're doing, um, what works for you? You know, because there aren't any secrets, right? None of us have any secrets around balance. And some people say balance, there's no such thing. Um, regardless of that, what works for you to kind of keep everything moving and keep yourself present to all those things? That's a fantastic question. And one that I think about often actually. <laughs> yeah. So I've thrown the word balance out the window a long time ago. I focus on flow. Do I, am I in flow? Is it working for me? Is my energy levels high? 
is my my happy meter. It, how is that working for me, right? It's, it's definitely things that I have to think about because I do get to levels of stress and bitchiness. And I love my husband. He is a servant through and through. And when I start yelling at him, I know I got to back off. Right? So we, we tend to learn how to read each other. We learn how to read ourselves. Um, but so I raise my kids. Th they're all three in college at this point. Um, they're all during college. And I would say I've, I've probably been a workaholic my whole life. I'm, I'm kind of wired that way. I'm driven to have the most fulfilling life and experience everything that I can. So my kids know that. They know that I'm the driver. Luckily, they have the loving support of my husband at home. Hopefully, you have two people that, that complement each other instead of two drivers in the home or, or two people that are always home to have that kind of counterbalance. So we had that. They, they had that loving fatherly experience. And with me, they had respect. They had, so my daughter, every time she comes home and even today, and she's about to turn 19, she immediately comes into my office and she sits on my lap and we hang out. And when she was little, I would wrap my arms around her and I'd keep working on the keyboard. And, and now as she gets older, she's a little too big for that. Right, right. You got to get off me. <laughs> right? But they know that okay, when it's time to negotiate for a car, when it's time to negotiate with their professors, when it's time to get something done, when they have to do things to get their first job or to do the things that push themselves outside of their comfort zone, they're calling me, they're texting me, their mom, how would you handle this? Mom, what would you say to him? Can you help read this paper for me that I'm gonna submit you know, for a resume, cover letter, something like that. They know that the, with the passion comes success and there's, I would put everything to the side and take care of them and do anything that they, I'd like, I'd lay down my life for them. Mothers will say that across the board. <laughs> my love for them is not any different because I work. It's just different. Yeah. So we've, we found the flow in our family. We found the counterbalance. My husband is, is the servant. He helps and, and God bless him. He made the technology work today. Um, <laughs> and then I get passionate about what I do. And then I'm finding the deals and he works the numbers. So he's got the spreadsheets and he is, uh, he used to work in a, a consulting company modeling. So he works all the numbers to make sure that it fits the goals that I've kind of set based on where I want to go and, and what do I want to achieve. So it's nice to have that partnership. If I had to do it all, I don't know that I would have done as much. <laughs> Very cool. I love that you're saying too, like there's so many different family like dynamics and just that mm -hmm. there's no one way, you know, and I love that you're saying too, that, you know, as, as a mom, your kids are going to come to you for certain things. And it's not always what we think of in a traditional sense, especially if you have a, a you know, a woman that's more of a driver, you know, like yourself. And I think that's really helpful to kind of know who you are, what the, you know, the family comes together, what we all need, and then just make it happen from there. There, there is no one recipe, you know, and I think that's, I love it. You know, um, I love that. I love that. That's very thought provoking because I think we don't hear that a lot. Well, you have to stop apologizing. It's so funny. My oldest, he, I was laying on the floor laughing at this. So he goes into school and he tells me this story later, mind you, he goes into school and he brings a picture of me. And so he goes to his teacher and he goes, this is my mom. And she goes, really? <laughs> and she goes, because I hadn't been to a single teacher conference in three years. Oh my God. <laughs> and she was like, I didn't think she existed. And he goes, that's her. <laughs> 
and he had fun with it. We had fun with it. The joke yeah. was, you know, what's going on in school? And he goes, well, my teachers aren't going to tell you because they don't know you. But I had faith and we set up rules around raising them in a way that I wanted that independence for them. I wanted them to be self-starters. I wanted them to be thinkers. And we created, it's like the bumpers at bowling, right? We created the lane where they couldn't go too far out of the range, but they were going to get to the finish line. And I did it different than most moms. I didn't do cupcakes in school time, but I did it where they know I love them. But I had to be honest with myself first. I had to be okay that this, this is the mom I am for them to accept this is the mom I am. Wow. That's very powerful, right? Wouldn't we, wouldn't we all be more peaceful if we, we got like honest, yeah. really honest, like, cause yeah, you do, you compare. And I, you know, then you compare yourself and I'm always like, I'm like a hot mess compared to some of these moms, you know, I'm like, but you know, you are who we, we are, who we are, you know, and you have to own that and be peaceful with that. I give up the cupcakes. Forget about it. No, not doing that. Sorry. <laughs> it's not our thing. Well, Nicole, this is amazing. I, I really appreciate your insight. Just, you know, from, from core, just some great strategies to just, you know, being authentic and very transparent. I think we all need to be more of that. And we'd all live a little more peacefully um, as women. So where can the women listening learn more about you, learn more about what you're up to and all the fantastic things you're, you're doing? Well, thank you. So we do have a YouTube page um, where I put out videos a couple times a week, in fact. So if you want to learn more about investing, a lot of my video series are based more around lending, obviously, but lending not in lending prog uh, products, but lending as far as how do you build wealth through real estate? How do you help your kids buy their first home? What does this aging population look like as far as inventory issues or helping them get into a home? So we have a lot of, we have monthly topics. So you can check out our YouTube page if you search on uh, Nicole Ruth or the Ruth team actually is what you want to do. And my last name is R-U-E-T-H kind of throws a lot of people. So the Ruth team has a YouTube page. We also have a website, the Ruth team, where we do a market analysis every month. And my market analysis is going to be for Denver. But a lot of my take on it is also what's going on with the GDP, what's going on in the economy underneath the consumer confidence and spending. So it might be really cool to, to check that out. That comes out at the beginning of every month. And if there's anything I can do in uh, the states that we lend in, of course, Fairway Mortgage, who I'm affiliated with is in all 50 states. I'm happy to refer really great people in every state, but we'd love to service your mortgaging needs. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Nicole, is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? You were supposed to give me these questions ahead of time. No. <laughs> um, you know, I would probably say start with why. It was, um, besides a little personal uh, addiction I had to Simon Sinek, we won't go there. So he is the start with why it changes everything. And it's, it's definitely transitioned my business, but it's also transitioned my personal life to figure out who I am and why I'm doing this, right? Because it's, it's a lot of work if you want to live intentionally. So starting with why kind of helps you fulfill that. I think it's right here as well. Right here. It's you. <laughs> oh, God. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? You already said the balance you throw out the door. So let's say flow life. <laughs> yes. 
So in my opinion, uh, I'm an athlete as well. So I, I used to do a lot of triathlons and marathons and adventure races. Oh, look at you. And now, oh my gosh. <laughs> I can barely lift like 10 pounds. Right? Because <laughs> I have all that time on my hands. Um, but I would say that an athlete lives intentionally throughout the day. So it's really how you start your day and how you end your day. My start is at 3.30 in the morning. Nobody else needs to be as crazy as me, but my start has a routine um, that includes prayer and gratitudes and then delegation and working out and planning for my day. Every day I have it fully planned out before I start because I don't want to walk into that day not knowing what's ahead of me. And then every, den every end of day has a ritual as well. So I would say that if you can start and end your day intentionally, it will change your entire day and your entire life. Totally agree with that. And I, do, you, do you think that what makes you continue doing it, your determination comes from your why? My, I would say that they're aligned. So my determination to, you have to be dedicated to something. I mean, you can't, you don't have to be dedicated to anything. Let me take that back. You can easily kind of go through this life very uninvolved um, and, and watch TV and watch sports and watch life. Or you can take a proactive approach and say, I want to get the most, like I, there's only one time I get to do this. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. So how do I do that? And I had decided early on, and, and some of it is, is makeup. I get that. It's the way I'm wired. But I decided early on that I wanted to experience a lot of that. And in order to do that, you have to have disciplines, and which feed the why. Absolutely. And the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? There's a couple of women that have inspired me. And I would say that they're not public figures. Um, I don't really do uh, an idolization of the stars or that kind of thing, but what I, the personal. So I would say my mom, um, she's, she's in her own right, a little bit of a hot mess, but she loves deeply. And so to see that love, she always wanted better for her kids. She came out of a rough childhood. And I think with each generation, you can do that. And I'm seeing that happen because I'm laying out a future for my kids that's going to be unbelievable. And then I, I have a coach, uh, Sarah Middleton, who's a part of Fairway Mortgage. She leans into me every day. She calls me my BS and she challenges me to be my best. So having a coach is a game changer. Awesome. Love that. Nicole, thank you so much. All the you know, insight you shared with us and all the women listening, and they're going to not just take one thing away, but probably a lot of things away from, from today's interview. So thank you for sincerely taking time to be with us and share your great, more importantly, share who you are with, with us and, and our listeners. It was fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Nico. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.